I've returned. And I know I've used the word special guest a lot on this show, but I don't think I've ever meant it more than right now, man. I got a really, truly special guest on the show right now, Trayvon Clark. And it's not just special because he plays football at Cal, but it's special because that is a childhood friend and teammate of mine. We go damn near a decade now, man, because we played together on the storm. But we knew each other with back yep. in the Seminoles, right? Like, because that's when I played with your brother. Yeah, the Seminoles. So that's like yep. 2010. Yeah. Man. And then uh, the West Coast Gazelles. West Coast Gazelles. We ran a lot of track. You, you was a, you was a couple divisions above me though, right? Or one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. Man. Yeah, I think I was one above you. That's crazy. Like, it might as well be blood at this point, man. It might as well be For blood. Real? How many times we done? Spent the night over and, and you know broken bread and she all that traveled. stuff. Like, come on, traveled across the Went country. To, like come on, NFL man. games, college games, all that, all, all that, that stuff. It's really good to see you, man. I gotta say. Yeah, you too. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. A lot has happened for you since last time we spoke, huh? Yeah, man. Why don't I you could write a whole story on it? <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and catch us up, man? So I would say, uh, just tracking back to high school. Uh, I don't know if you know or remember, but uh, I broke my leg my sophomore year. Your femur, right? That's kind of... No, my tibia and fibula. That video, he had it wrong. Okay. He had it wrong. Got you. But, uh, so I broke my tibia and my fibula sophomore year, just doing dumb stuff. And then uh, that's kind of where my career kind of kicked off because, I mean, as you know, I love the game of football, the sport, Mm -hmm. everything about it since I was... Since before I can remember, for real. And then uh, that kind of just sparked the fire in me. So since that day, I've just been recovering, recovering, recovering. Junior year, I went into high school. I was still trying to recover. I had to take my sophomore year off. So Mm -hmm. I missed my sophomore year of high school football. And then uh, I went on to my junior year. I transferred to Los Osos and Rancho. That's where we used to practice. Yep. So I went to Osos for a year. Played. It was a decent season, but I was still kind of recovering from my leg. And then, uh, so after that season passed by, I transferred again to Silverado back in Victorville. Yeah. We ended up moving back up the hill. And then uh, my senior year, I just went crazy. I think I had like 1,300 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns. I even played defense. I had seven interceptions in six games. Seven? Wow. Uh, I had like. Seven and six games, I had, uh, I think, like, 64 tackles. I was averaging, like, 10, 10 to 12 tackles a game. Man. So and you was playing, what, safety? Yeah, free okay. safety. Got you. Yep. So then I started getting a little bit of attention from my senior year. So a lot of school, I got a preferred walk-on scholarship. Not a, not, not a scholarship, yeah. but offer to San Jose State, but... I mean, I, I knew I was worth more than the preferred walk-on to San Jose State. So mm-hmm. I ended up going to a junior college down at El, at El Camino in Torrance, California. And then uh, my freshman year there, I I went nuts again. I went, I had, I think, 600 receiving yards, but I had 11 touchdowns. Mm. So I was, uh, shit, I was scoring almost, I think I had like 30-some catches. I scored 11 out of that 30. Wow. So That's like, yeah. who put up numbers like that? I'm sure. Something like John Ross did something like that a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Ross, yep. Man. So that kind of started picking up way more attention for me. Like, mind you, I'm, at this time, I'm about 6'3". Like, I wasn't too heavy. I was about 175, but I was just running past DBs on deep bombs. Like, mm-hmm. they couldn't run with me. So I started picking up. Like, I'm talking D1 traffic. Like, my phone's going crazy. So, spring came around going into my second year of junior college. And the only reason I didn't get out early was because you have to be a qualifier. Like, I didn't have the grades and everything Mm -hmm. coming out of high school. So, my grades were all messed up. So, I said, I'm not giving up. I haven't gave up. So, I attacked junior college. I went into the spring. Going into my second year, I picked up. I think eight offers in six weeks. Wow. I even got, I got three in one day. So Man. my first offer came from uh, Middle Tennessee. You should have came uh, out here. <laughs> Man, but it, I was, I was thinking about it, but then like, like the offers just kept getting bigger. That's bigger, how it go though, right? So I was like, yeah. So I believe my, the spring, that spring where I started getting offers, 
I was getting offered off of my freshman year tape of college. Mm-hmm. So my first offer came from Middle Tennessee, and then uh, my second offer, I believe, was Arkansas State. Okay. So those were like two somewhat big D1s, like not super big, right. not Power 5, I would say. So then uh, I think my third offer was like Bowling Green, and then like the third day of spring, I got a call from Utah State, San Jose State, and – yeah, that was Bowling Green. So I got, I went from one to four offers in three days. Mm. And then uh, San Jose State, San Jose State came back. The same coach that offered me as a, a preferred walk-on offered me a scholarship. Yeah, he come on you to so, money. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, it's funny how things are starting to work. Yeah. And then, so that got me up to five. And I believe my first big offer was Oregon State. Okay. And that's always been somewhere where I was like, damn, I'll go there and really ball out. Like, they need receivers. Mm-hmm. So, they offered me quick. So, I think I got up to eight offers right before spring ended because spring's only like five to six weeks. So, I got up to eight offers. Oregon State was the last to offer me for the spring. And then I took a visit. They offered me on like a Friday. I was on a visit out there next the, the week after that. Damn. So it picked, it picked up super quick for me. And then, like, me not me just being excited, like, I got all these scholarships. I'm on a visit. Mm-hmm. So I, I flew up to Oregon State. They flew me out there. Had a That was an amazing a first official visit. And then uh, I had came home. I seen everything they had. I seen the receivers they had. I just seen basically my spot. Right. Like, I can go there and have a spot. So I got overly excited. Coaches pumped my head up, just, you know, being new to the recruiting game. Yeah. And then I had ended up committing the day I got home from the visit. So I originally committed to Oregon State. And then that did, they tried to make me, like, shut down my recruitment. No more offers, uh, no more visits. Yeah. That, yeah I, know, so I, started, I know how that goes. I don't yeah, know. So I, I ain't like, experienced it, but I know that's what they try to get you to do, right? Like, don't talk yeah, to no more schools. You, you done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, man, I started thinking to myself, like, y'all can't tell me that for real. Yeah. So I kind of kept my recruiting on the low, and then Fresno State hit me. Fresno State offered me. They were on me, like, white on rice. Like, they are <laughs> trying to get me there. So then they San Jose State came. I mean, not San Jose State. Fresno State came. And then it just, from there on, it just got bigger, bigger. Big. I had Mississippi State hitting me. I had... Uh, SC, Oregon, UCLA, uh, Kansas, Iowa State. uh, What's another big one I had? Uh, I had Oregon State. uh, I can't even remember the list. Like, it was just... When it's all said and done, how many offers are we talking, like, that you had on the table? I had 17. Wow, man. So, yeah, and then those, those other offers came from my second year at JUCO. I absolutely went, like... It was too easy at that point. I'm like, I'm ready to go D1, <laughs> right. like, for real. And I played my junior college. We were in the – I forgot the conference name, but we played, like, Laney. We you played – Okay, because I was going to say uh, – yeah, We Calif- didn't end up – we didn't end up actually playing them, but we were a game away from playing them in playoffs. So okay. we played RCC, Long Beach. We played, like, all the best Southern California JUCOs. So – like, my JUCO experience was rough. Like, when you watch Last Chance You, yeah. like, that stuff is real. Like, my living, I'm going to tell you, my living situation, like, just having to live in, I, I promise you, it was like a 500-square-foot box with a sink. Man. And we had to pay $1,000 a month to stay there. So, eventually, I was there with my friend, and then we weren't able to afford it no more. So, during my second season, I was commuting two hours each way every day so four mm. hours of driving just to get Damn. to school and mind you i had a class that started at 7 a.m so i had to drive from victorville to la and get there by 7 a.m every single day for the whole semester and folks that are listening because a, a lot of my viewership is from like memphis so they don't know what they talking about when yeah. you talk about victorville oh. to la that's a freaking track man that's a track because you like, got to go uh, down the hill los angeles traffic 100 miles each way oh my god and then that morning that morning LA traffic, they may they may not know about it, but that's just wild. Yeah, it takes so one time. <laughs> I used to have to, yeah, they'll, they, I mean they'll go, they'll find out one yeah. day. So like I would say, 
I woke up at 4 a.m. every day to get to school, have practice, had school. So I basically would get up at 4 a.m., leave. I wouldn't be getting back home till about 8 at night. So that was my day for a whole four months of a semester, my second year. But in the midst of it all, my season, I think I had I had like a, over 1,000 receiving yards. I had 12 touchdowns. And I had two uh, passing touchdowns. Like, uh, I'm two for two with passing touchdowns. So oh, I threw so you like uh, Muhammad Sanu. <laughs> yeah. You go like, ahead and throw that. A little oh. reverse. Yeah. Okay. So it was like a reverse sweep pass. And I, I threw two touchdowns. So 14 touchdowns in total. And then uh, that was at the junior college level. So that everybody is like, damn, like, you know what's, you know where Mount Sac is? Yeah. I think Miles is over there so right Mount now. So Mount Sac. Yeah, so we play Mount Sac. They're supposed to be like uh, one of the best teams in all of California, and they were. But we beat them because that game I went for two hundred and ten yards and three touchdowns. Man, and I scored the game-winning touchdown. It was like a sixty-eight-yard bomb to win the game. So that, after if, that game, if that's not some Trayvon stuff to do, I don't know what is. Because even back when we was kids, man, man <laughs> big uh, what your your pops always used to say it. I always used to carry this with me. Big time players make big time plays in big, big time, time games. Plays. Yes, yep. and that, he always used to put that in our head because he was an assistant coach. He's every time we was playing Rancho yep. or San Bernardino or one of these bigger uh, teams. Big time players, yep. big time plays, big time games, man. A big games. Since yep. we was kids. So man. that's something I had like preached to me my whole life. So like when I was in that situation where it was like time to make a big play, nine times out of ten I came through and. There was actually like four games that season where I scored the game-winning touchdown. So that season was wild. Like people, I was ranked number three in the nation yeah. at my position. I was ranked number one in California at my position. Uh, I think I was a four-star on ESPN. Like I was, I was like one of the hottest out in JUCO at that time. So wow. that translated to my first year at Cal. What came down to me committing to Cal? Was I had Oregon, I had UCLA on for me, I had Chip Kelly on my phone, I had, mm. I had it all popping like, so I had I was like damn like, Oregon, SC, UCLA, Cal like it was a hard decision but yeah man like, my mentor I would say was my wide receiver coach my second year it's crazy how life works my second year at El Camino mm-hmm. my wide receiver coach was actually the uh. He he was like he's a hall of fam- he's a hall of famer wide receiver at Cal Jeff MacArthur you probably know something about him yeah the name so, sounds familiar his name Jeff MacArthur he seen me yeah yeah he's in the hall of fame at Cal like he could have went to the NFL like he just ended up getting hurt and his body couldn't take it no more mm-hmm. so he kind of shut it down so he instantly seen me and was like I'm not just saying this because I play for Cal but he felt like I would fit in at Cal. And I would have the best opportunity not just have football, but in life, mm-hmm. like going to Cal. Yeah, man, because that Cal so, degree, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That Cal degree is going to so take you somewhere it, beyond football. Yeah, that's what it boiled down to. So it came down to where am I going to get the best opportunity, not only in football, but life after football. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was like, damn, I can't go wrong with Cal, like. I had the same opportunity everywhere I went. Oregon wanted me. SC wanted me. I could have went with the fame. I mean, not the fame, like the clout, the name, the logo. So I just decided to go with Cal. And then my first big game at Cal was against ASU. Mm -hmm. And it was like we were ranked number number 15. We had just beat Ole Miss. That's the game your parents went to. Yeah, yeah. They see me score my first. They see me score my first college touchdown. And then – uh. The game right after that, we played ASU, and uh, that stuff. That was like, and it was the day of my birthday. It was a Friday night game, day of my birthday. I think the first drive that I got on the field, I had like sixty-four yards and a touchdown. Man, so like I drove the ball. All the, the first play was a deep forty-eight-yard bomb down the field, and I just burnt yeah. the corner. Yeah, okay, because you, then, uh, I, I think I know the drive you're talking about. I watch your games, man. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I try to make sure I catch oh, them yeah, all. Yeah, so yeah. You, you got like yeah. one bomb down the field, and you had to you had to like dive to catch it, if I remember correctly. Or something yeah, like, that. like if he if he would have put it in the right spot, I would have scored. 
Oh, it's on your quarterback. Just ran under it. If that ain't Chuck, yeah, bro, because okay, <laughs> always blaming on the quarterback. You yeah. used to do it back in the day, man. When I put back when I was quarterback number seven, just put it just on put me, it huh? In the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> Catchable balls, man. That's all you can ask yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. So I had to kind of like dive for it towards the inside. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna just catch it." Mm-hmm. Caught it. We popped back up. Two plays, literally two plays later, it was like a twenty yard. I ran like a double move. I I broke him bad. So yeah. it was on the same corner. I scored first first touchdown of the game, and then like throughout the game, I just had a little here and there passes. But it, I had I ended up having like seventy yards off of. I think I had five catches. So it was it was a good game for me. And then I kind of opened up a lot of eyes, and teams started trying to set like a they call it a bounty. So like who's the best player at each position and who do we need to focus on the most. So mm. I knew going into Oregon that they would have some type of bounty on me. You know, you got to be careful with that word now. Sean Payton then got himself in some trouble. You. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that mess was crazy. That That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. But uh, we went into Oregon and then, uh, so basically I had a good game against Oregon. I had six catches for 70 yards again. So that was back-to-back good games, but I didn't score just due to like because our quarterback had ended up getting hurt against I ASU. That. Yeah, and that's it. We kind of just went downhill for a few games, but we got back up to that eight eight win mark at the end of the season. But against Oregon, they're supposed to have the best defensive unit in the nation. Like it was, they're, they're it's it's hype. I'm not gonna say yeah. it's hype. They're good. They're really good. Right. So. I went into that game expecting, like, a good game, physical game, like, just expecting them to have their eye on me in a way. So, I think we had them. It was 7-0. No, it was 0-0, and then they scored right before half, so it was Mm 7-0. And then uh, I think at the end of the game, the score was only 17-7, but, I mean, we opened up a lot of eyes because we gave Oregon a good game. Like. If we would have had our starting quarterback, I believe that we would have beat Oregon that night. So, Oregon, I had – it was the drive to kind of get us back into the game. So, we were backed up to, like, the 10. And then uh, it ended up being, like, third and 19, and we had to get the first to even have a chance at winning. So, I ran, like, a 10-yard comeback, and it was a third and 19. So, I ran a 10-yard comeback, and then I kind of shook the first dude, got the first down. I think two plays later, I ran a hitch. I got another 15 yards. So basically, I drove the ball from the 10-yard line to the opposite 10-yard line Mm. to try to help us win the game. But, you know, it didn't go our way that time. So that was like another big game I had. And then uh, just the whole quarterback situation got worse and worse. I mean, you see the Utah game, we got blew out. Yeah. Uh, Leading up to like the... Like, Washington State, I had a few good plays. I had, like, a reverse that went for, like, 25 yards. And then, uh, so, yeah, I would say, like, my first season at the D1 level, it was it was decent, but I know for sure, like, I expect more from myself. So, with everything going on, the way it's going on right now with the pandemic and just season getting canceled, it's kind yeah. of frustrating because, like, I've never been, like, a – the, the biggest guy, the strongest guy, but I always it was just so athletic that I, mean, I can I remember really you as the biggest it. dude and the strongest dude on our team. Which <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, was both I, of I'm those things. Going into college, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, going into college, like I mean, the whole everything just changed. So like this spring, I kind of got up to like 197 pounds. Like I was trying to get to that 205 mark. Mm-hmm. I was looking good. I was looking fast. Like we. I don't know if you know, but we got a uh, a new OC, Bill Musgrave. Okay, that yeah, that name so, sounds really familiar. Where 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 did he, he come from? He coached for the Eagles. That's why it sounds familiar. Okay, yeah, I, yes, I knew yeah. that. I got that somewhere. Bill Musgrave. Yeah. So uh, Bill Musgrave, he's our OC now. So we have like the pro style offense going in, and uh, like this spring, like Cal was expected to be the team of the North. We're gonna win the North. We're gonna play in the Rose Bowl. We're gonna mm-hmm. play the Pac-12 championship. And I felt like this year or even moving forward, whenever we get to play, like I'm going to be a big factor in what happens this season. No so, doubt, man. No doubt. I'm saying look forward to whoever's watching. 
Hey, Look man. forward to this next season. You know I'm... the Griffin family gonna be watching. That's for sure. Oh yeah. You just you just they gave us a lot it. though. All my listeners, they done what traversed the whole path of your uh, your journey, man. I wanna. First of all, I want to go back to the storm, man, because that, that's really where I noticed a lot of things. Because as I've gone through life and I've kind of figured out where my niche was within sports, you know, <clears throat> I'd like to say I'm a decent evaluator. And even though oh, I wasn't yeah. doing it at the time, I didn't realize I was doing it at this time, but I'm always like scouting the people around me, A, because I'm the quarterback. I got to know who's around me, right? We've always been smart as hell and good at that part. Hey, like, man. just even like when it comes to sports. I remember Miles used to be trying to talk mess to you about the NFL. You just whip out facts hey, on him, like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's just that always came natural to me. But point being, when I'm watching you, right, the thing that always struck me about the way that you played, and granted, this is back when we was kids, but I imagine you probably carried this throughout the course of your career. Is just you were so competitive, man. Like you just wanted yep, it so I much more than everybody else, man. Like it, even like yep. plays at the end of games, like you was just anytime we lost it's like you carried that burden on your shoulders even though it was the team that lost yeah. you were just that dude that was, you know it, it you took it personally is my point and yeah. i'm wondering man yeah. how is that especially after breaking your leg how how's that continue to drive you throughout this process i would say like just that's why i was saying like when i broke my leg it just sparked like a bigger fire inside of me like i'm not going to be the one to be down and missing out and cuz i believe like, with my athletic ability, I'm going to truly be somewhere one day. And I would hate to, like, not be working my ass off, get back from an injury, to miss out on any opportunity that I could have. So, I would say, like, it kind of made me more competitive because a lot of people started doubting me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, his leg is broke. He's not coming back. He won't be the same. So, like, my competitive – I pulled out my competitiveness, and I came back, and I have actually became – shit better at all the things that i wasn't as good at before i broke my leg if that makes sense hell yeah man and that that's respectable because i don't know if you know this or not i broke my leg in junior year i broke my femur yeah um and you know when you hear about injuries in sports a lot of times i feel like people kind of just brush it off like so-and-so has you know ruptured achilles he's estimated to be out for six to eight months or whatever and it's like we, yep. we kind of just see the, the injury and then we see the player come back, but we don't see the process that it takes to get from point A to point B. And that is like one hell of a problem. Even to just get my leg functioning, Damn. right? That's months of yeah. relapse, right? So I can only imagine when you broke your tibia amphibia. That's ridiculous. Even to get yeah. to a point where you're, you know, being looked at for junior colleges, man. So hats off to you for that. Yeah. That's, that's 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 wild to me because I've been there and I, you know, I t- I, I'm not afraid to admit it at this point. When I broke my leg, that was it for me, man. That's when I said, you know, yeah. this probably ain't it for me. For you. So for you to have that mental fortitude to say, fuck it, I'm coming back, that's impressive, man. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, and that's just like, I don't know, I feel like that's what made the difference in my career was that point. Like, are you going to are you gonna push forward or push through it, or are you going to stop? And me in my head, I'm like, hell no, I got too much potential to just be sitting on the couch. So I got my ass up. I didn't care about offers and stars and stuff coming out of high school. I just, I want to perform and I want to show people like, like I don't need stars. I don't need offers. I just need one shot at anything. So I'm saying like in terms of the NFL, I have so much faith in myself. after We have this season that either I'm going to end up getting drafted rounds one through seven mm-hmm. or I'm going to get like a undrafted free agent spot. Like I don't care what it takes. As long as I get my foot in the door, somebody's going to sign me. somebody because I mean, you don't find a lot of six, four athletes who can run damn near a four, four. That's what I was going to ask you. What's your 40 right time. now? A four, four hand time. Mm. So laser is probably about a low four five. And I don't even know how to run the 40. I just run. I feel you, so, man. Yeah. Hey, what you mean you don't know? Do I need to come back out there and put you through the uh, track and field, the 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 blocks routine, and say you had to get out? You might have to. Like, I forgot how to do all that. Like, man, trying to get, get you. out the drive phase. Like, you just have to learn how to really run the forty. So, no doubt. I feel man. like through the, I'm, I've had agents. I got all that stuff already going through my phone. Like, there's people trying to pick me up now because they see like. I mean, there's not a lot of six four athletes. I mean, not athletes. Six four receivers, even in the Pac-12, there's like a right. few of us. And for me to be six four and be able to run past a corner that's five eleven and should be 
somewhat fashion to me. It's it, it has impressed a lot of people. See, the th- when you so that like, tall, right? You got strides, and that's really what helps you eat up that space between you and the corner. Like yeah, that, yep. that, like it's not exactly the quickest yep, thing in the world, but because you're eating up so much ground with each stride, you pass the corner up as soon as you get even. Uh, old saying, my football coach used to say, "You're even, you're or you're leaving. It's over. It's over. Like yeah, that that's the type yep. of thing. I don't know if you know the name Matt Collins or not. He played uh at North Carolina. He got drafted by the Eagles, but y'all have very the, uh, similar traits. The little white boy? No, nah, he's he's mixed. Um, Not little. He's six four. He's six four. He ran a four four forty. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Y'all just have to sit like both tall, both fast. I imagine, right? If you're getting your foot in the door, people are probably looking at you at least probably like a special teams player at first. But then, yeah, uh, I know that's something that you're willing to do, man. You always was a headhunter, like you just ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I was kicks. That's that's another thing. People like. A lot of people don't know about me is like I could I could play so many different positions. I could I could jump at the slide. I could I could jump at the kick return, punt return. Like I could return kicks and take them to the house. Like I was doing it in high school. Yeah. I could do it now. I did it at the junior college level. So it's really like I don't care where I play because eventually they're gonna see that oh we can use Tim out receiver or you know just have opportunity. Just I just need to get. My foot in the door. So. Sometimes that's how it rocks, man. I got faith. I definitely have the faith in it, man. I definitely see at least the athletic potential. Somebody's going to want to eat at that real quick. Um, yeah. I want to talk to you about everything that's going on with college football right now. Because yeah. it's, it's really ridiculous. Because we were at this point earlier this week. When I first reached out to you asking to come on the podcast, it was under the you know impression that we were going to be talking about a potential boycott from the players and yep. really about just days after y'all started the whole we are united unit and then the, we saw the whole we want to play factor in they just cut it like pac-12 just cut it what was it? the big 10 just cut it a lot of conferences yep. around i think the acc and the sec are still trying to play but a lot of conferences just said screw it man what are your thoughts on everything the, just the landscape of college football in general especially you know in the midst of this pandemic a lot of what started was centered at cal um yeah what, what are your thoughts on the whole thing man I would say, like, where it all started was we came back from, you know, being off because we got sent home because when the pandemic first broke out, they instantly sent us home. So Mm -hmm. they shut down spring football because of liability and they don't want us getting sick. Yeah. So that kind of that question or that move that they made kind of stayed at the back of our head like. If it was just starting to break out and you guys sent us home and canceled spring football, why would you try to bring us back and resume in like the the like we're in like the hardest part of it right now? Right. So like we were saying like like we're questioning like what are they doing this for? Like what is the real reason why they are like just trying to push us back so fast? Like we're trying to come back so fast. So mm-hmm. we started working out and like me being at the workout seeing like we literally have to stay in a box six feet away from each other and it started having me question like how are we ever supposed to make contact and play football right if we can't even leave this box and pull our mask down to get air so i started being like i was like kind of nervous coming home every day like i didn't want to touch anything like i'm outside taking my clothes off like i just didn't want to a lot of people don't know my situation, but I had a, a child before I came to Cal. That's what I was going to say, man. So you got I, a fiancé and a kid. Yeah, so I was like, I didn't want to bring nothing back home. Like, I would hate to be the person to, like, I don't call it selfish, but being selfish in a way to where it can impact my family. So mm. That ain't selfish I take either. That even, That's about yeah, the most so, selfless thing, the decision you can make, if you ask me. Yeah. So I don't know if you, uh, Marquis, you know, Marquis Goodwin is. Yeah, he plays with, or so, he was supposed to play with Eagles. Yeah, you see how he opted out yeah. because he has a kid uh, and because. Of, so I kind of looked up to that. Like, I feel like it's unsafe for me to be out there doing the things I'm doing with me having to come home to a family every day. Mm-hmm. So some players on my team started like kind of feeling uncomfortable and then they started doing their research on like revenue and uh liability and you know all that stuff that comes with football so uh 
they started making this uh, little group chat, and the group chat turned into the whole Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And everybody was kind of on the same page. Like, it was just us feeling unsafe and unsure about what they're trying to do with us and if they're truly going to protect our health, like, during this time. Yeah. And then, like, that kind of turned into, oh, the social injustice, like, 90% of college head coaches are white and 80% of college athletes are black. Yeah. So that kind of, they started kind of looking at that like, oh, are they, like, trying to treat us like slaves in a way? Like, we're doing all this shit for free. We're risking our health for free. We're playing in a pandemic for free because of what? And then it was because of the revenue that they were getting ready to lose. They were not, so like, yeah. Oh, we're going to do whatever we got to do to make them play so we don't lose money. So then we're like, no, nah, fuck that. They're doing this for money, and we feel like we should get a piece of it, like, give us what we're worth like give us at least enough to pay the rent and have a little bit of money in our pocket like because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know like rent in the bay is crazy like oh, yeah. the park is like thirty five hundred dollars a month my, my roommates from uh the bay area and you know yeah. ever since like silicon valley and like the, it yep. really has been gentrified you know gentrification of oakland and all that it's yep. like ridiculous up there to live the cost of living is insane so that's why I kind of it kind of that's why it started in Berkeley, because we had to make people feel what we felt. And then it so happened to be that there was other people around the whole Pac-12 who felt the same exact way. So we were like, so why not come together and try to get what we deserve? So that's kind of where it all started. It started like with the, the, the questions on the health, the safety protocols, the testing protocols, all that wasn't up to par and where it needed to be to where we felt safe and we were confident that if we start playing we're not going to catch COVID mm-hmm. and then like there was things coming out I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter but there was like recordings from the Oklahoma State like uh, athletic director or something and he said like uh, we're not as concerned that we're not as concerned of the athletes but we're more concerned about the, the fans that are in the stands. So we're wow. like, damn, you care more about the fans than the players that are on the field making you millions of dollars. So then we're like, no, nah, we're about to start a strike. And if they can't meet this list of demands, then we're going to have to call it a season because we don't feel safe. And we don't feel this. We know that it's right that you guys make millions off us and we have to play in a pandemic and see nothing from it. Yeah. No, man. And so, from from like, the jump, I was 100% behind what y'all were trying to accomplish because really we've known this as a society for a while now the whole structure of the ncaa and how that labor operates it's just not fair at all because they need y'all the athletes a lot more than you need them right you guys are ultimately what makes the ncaa what it is and yeah you know that instantly when i thought it when i heard like you know they're gonna try to have a season and they're they're trying to have all these precautions and da 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 it didn't make sense to me and i immediately think of you because i know you're trying to play and you have a wife and kid that you got to go home to every single day that's the first thing i thought of is like trayvon how 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 could that even function right like how is that even going to supposed to work so it's crazy, man. A lot of times, Cal is like at the forefront of a lot of social justice movements, and I, this, to me, is. this is just another example of that. Yeah. So, like, really, at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm not upset that the season got canceled because I feel like that's the safest and smartest thing that they could have done throughout mm-hmm. this whole process. Because to me, I'm like, you guys had six months to figure this out. And you guys start trying to figure things out once we get back. Yeah. Like once, as soon as we got back, I was coming home telling my fiance like, it's not gonna work. I was telling her since day one they're going to cancel the season. Like there's just no way that it's humanly possible to play and not catch the coronavirus. Like you're gonna somebody is eventually gonna spread this virus throughout the team. Especially when you're talking about a locker room, man. Like it's too confined. Like who touched who? Like what football got touched by who, like someone spit on the floor and you fall right there. Like it's just football's, I mean, it's not like basketball. We can't really do a bubble. There's like a hundred players on each team and we need a whole football field. And there's 12 teams in a conference. Like it would just be too, the odds, the, the, the bad outweighs the good. So I feel like they made a smart decision. And I mean, that 
weighed into us not having to strike and do the things that we had to do in order for us to be safe. So now all of us can be safe and focus on school and just trying to get back as safe as possible as soon as possible. I feel that. Now I want to ask you this, man, because honestly, when I saw this question, one of my uh, one of my listeners, another friend of mine, I went to high school with, William Patterson. I got to shout him out for this. He asked a question on Twitter. He said, "What changed between the last couple of days when people started canceling and upending their football seasons? What changed between you know Monday and Thursday when it happened? Why can we? Why could we have had a football season then, but not now? And to me, in my mind, the immediate thing was the We Are United movement." And the we want to play yeah, movement. That's the only thing on. that really changed once y'all started demanding really what was rightfully yeah. yours. So yeah. I I want to get your thoughts on let me just start by asking this. Do you think that the Pac twelve and the NCAA in general cares what happens to his athletes and cares about the well beings of the well being of its athletes? Uh, from what I've seen through this, I mean, this situation has brought out a lot of true colors mm-hmm. from commissioners, uh Larry Scott. Like, just the, the top dogs that control all this stuff for real. So I feel like they they used to act like, okay, we were their number one priority. But going into the situation, they showed, like, oh, if y'all get sick, it doesn't matter. Like, you just sit out two weeks. Like, we need you guys to play. It kind of – it showed – they didn't even have to say it. It showed itself that they really didn't have – they never did have the best interest for us. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, no, I don't think that – no, I don't think that at all. Man, I hate to hear that. So yeah, it, like, yeah, like it sucks. Said, it sucks. Man, I want to ask you this too, because people have been um, throwing around the idea of a spring season, and I know this is your last year of eligibility, right? So, yeah, let's, hypothetically, let's say you were to have two more years of eligibility, how would you feel about playing a season in the spring and then also in the fall? I honestly, if we played in the spring, I I wouldn't. I mean, that would be a tough decision to make. Like, I'd have to sit down and really think about that because that's over – that's almost 30 games in the span of nine months. Right. And, like, after one season, like, the way your body feels, like, after going through 13, 14 games, like, people on the outside watching don't understand, like, the bumps, the bruises, the, the lingering injuries that you have that mm-hmm. you need an off-season to recover from. You need that therapy. You need that few months off. And I feel like playing in the spring, that would be still, I feel like they're trying to rush it back. They're really, they're trying to rush it back to the point where it's like, now you're jeopardizing our health again. Cause there's some players who can't go back to back season like that. Yeah. There's some like me, I don't have any like underlying uh, health conditions or injuries besides my leg, which is like something that never bothers me. Mm-hmm. But, but like, besides that, it's just the fact that they're still trying to, crunch in a whole season and two whole seasons in a 12-month calendar so it's like i feel like i mean you could try to do it but they're talking about oh just 10 games uh at this point i'm like what is what is the point like just let's move past let's get this coronavirus under control and let's get ready for next season the whole That's where I'm at. and the point in their mind right and it's like you mentioned it's just financials man because there's a lot of teams it's the money in schools that say you know i go to a school like usc right they get you know a yeah. hell of money from everybody but if you're a school yeah. like you know like you some of the schools you're being offered by san jose state middle tennessee yeah, arkansas state you're not gonna last you're, you're athletic you're gonna have to start cutting some uh, sports programs without That's that money right. which just tells yeah. you right how important y'all are to what goes on in the NCAA. That that you guys are yep. crucial and okay. your production is crucial to the sustainment of NCAA in general. So yeah. I mean, like like we when we talk about, you know, do these guys deserve a cut of what's being made, there's a pretty solid argument to be made that you guys deserve a percentage of that when you guys are literally the the very you're at the core of why why the thing functions in the first place. So Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's that's our whole point. Like what is the big deal? Like, we're not asking for $50,000 a month. We're not asking for $100,000 a year. We're asking for maybe $3,000 a month. Like, people can make that work in a, a day job every day, a nine-to-five. Like, I feel like each athlete, I mean, scholarship-wise, I feel like they should be able to see a portion. I feel like that wouldn't even be temporary 
percent of what they make a year if they gave us athletes three thousand dollars a month like if you do the math that's really only what would i say how much how much would i i, I don't know the math off, off the top of my head but it's not it's not more than 50 percent that we were asking for like mm-hmm. it's less than 50 percent of what they make like if you put together all of the the whole NCAA, all the college football, add up the numbers. There's billions of dollars being made a year, yeah. billions. Like it's not all oh, one million. No, it's billions of dollars in a year of college football. So we're like, where I feel like they don't have a valid reason why they can't pay us. Then they're gonna try to make an argument on, oh. uh Amateur. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it really boils down to is people they want to uphold this idea of amateurism. And the second you let yeah, that go yeah. by start playing the players, then the NCAA yeah. as a um idea crumbles, right? Because the whole concept yeah. is these are amateur athletes, which is an outdated yeah. concept in general. Because when we talk about the NCAA yeah. and it was founded, let's be real, the NCAA when it was originally founded was for rich white people who had the luxury of going to play sports when they didn't in college, right? It wasn't for a bunch of black people who might not be coming from the best financial situations. That's not what it was for at all. So, you know, like so many things in this country, it's just a system that was created for the people that are not currently living in it, which it's it's frustrating to look at from the outside looking in. I'm sure it's frustrating from the inside. It It is. Because it's just like, damn like at the end of the day a lot of people have been saying it like we we should be looked at as semi-pro athletes like we're literally some athletes that are still playing this season know that they're getting drafted they know they already have a draft stock they already have uh agents they already have all that stuff set up so as soon as they graduate or their last game ends they start the draft process so at that point you're already a semi-professional athlete in a way. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's just, I mean, and then they try to bring up the fact that like, oh, we would have to pay like rowing, volleyball. And my, I would say is each sport brings in a different amount of revenue a year. Mm -hmm. So say if volleyball only brings in 1 million a year, pay them a percent of that and whatever each volleyball team is little. So whatever whatever amount dollar amount each player gets of course it's going to be different than the college football team because we bring in hundreds of millions and or 50 million or we bring in millions and millions and millions of dollars of course our cut per month is going to be a little bit more than other teams well then you get into the question of right um the value of the person versus the value of like the work that they do right because when we talk about how athletes Like they, they, they shouldn't, or they, they, you guys deserve a cut because it's not like you guys can go and get a job, right? You guys are already devoting so much time to your sport, right? But a volleyball player also devotes a lot of time to their sport as well, but their sport just by nature of being volleyball, right? Not as many people watch it. They're not bringing in as much revenue. And that's the interesting question for me. I, I'm not sure yeah, how so. I'd go about approach yeah. approaching that is, you know, how much should a volleyball player make? Because there are certain teams that don't make anything at all. There's certain teams that yeah. couldn't survive unless yeah. there was a football team, right? Like a, a, we said that certain schools are going to have to start cutting sports. So, you know, that yeah. is definitely an interesting question to ask is, okay, what athletes are entitled to what? Is it all equal? Is it all dispersed evenly amongst the athletes? Or should the teams that get the most uh, money revenue, do they get more? Uh, do you think that they, the, the football teams should get more uh, revenue than, uh, let's say, like a rowing team or something like that? I would because I feel like, I mean, everybody puts in work and makes a school some type of money, but then there's the teams that, we have to hold the weight for it. So, like, for instance, Cows women's basketball, mm-hmm. they go into debt $2 million a year because of what they have to put out and what they don't bring back in. Right. So, like, that negative 2000 that we have to hold up on the football end, so us bringing in, say, I think last year we brought in, like, $58 million for the season. Mm-hmm. And we had to give a cut of that to the women's basketball team to bring them out of debt to keep the whole university out of debt. Right. So we're like, damn, like we're us. Yeah, that's us athletes. That's not coaches. That the coaches are getting paid well, mm-hmm. like well, they're living well off, and us players are trying to live month to month, day to day. But we're the reason that the coaches are getting paid the amounts they are getting paid. We're the reason why the university still is 
like still not deep in debt. Like it's still a lot of things that factor into why we should get paid. There's not, I feel like the argument that they would have to not pay us wouldn't be as valid as the argument we would have for them to pay us. I feel that. So, I feel that. It's I mean, definitely an um, interesting discussion to be had for sure. Yeah. Most definitely. I want to talk to you about more more of just the football. Um, you know, that that's definitely an interesting conversation. You can frankly talk about that for hours on end. Um, the conversations <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that y'all are having up there and you know, it's high time that you know, we had this conversation as a country, right? Uh, and what the how the NCAA functions. But I want to ask you, you know, a little bit more lighthearted questions, right? Who's better at quarterback? Your current quarterback or 12-year-old Reagan? What? And be careful how you answer this because this is my show. So, <laughs> I would say, uh, like, I would have to bring you guys both on the field. All right, Let's man. see who can put it. We, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still got my cleats somewhere. I'll go walk on. I, you know, I, I forget <laughs> the guy's name. Who, who's the quarterback? I would say though, you, you could have, you could have took it to the next level too if you, uh, like, truly took on the. I, I'm not gonna say you didn't take it serious, but you had so many different other things that you were good at such as this sports talking and other things that you could attack the same way that you could attack football but i feel like if you would have stayed at football like you have the brains to be a quarterback that's you could read a defense you could disguise coverage and then like you were athletic at that you were athletic you could run you could run people over juke people i don't know if i'm running nobody over at college i might be (laughs) slide i might slide i probably i might start to slide a little bit just because i mean i'm you're six four right i'm six one 180 yeah. pounds soaking wet, right? So I might not be running That's anybody not, over. That's a nice size quarterback, though. So you have you have the size. I feel like, I mean, I would have to see you in the position that Chase Garbers is in. For sure. For sure. You, see, I, you know I know how to yeah. throw to you, man. I still got footage of a slant oh, route. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We was playing Ontario, and it was a perfect slant route on the money. You remember you dropped that thing? Yeah. You dropped that <laughs> I thing. I was like... Kid. Man, cause I at that 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 day I remember that man ain't never yeah. playing cause you played running back growing up. I was like he ain't playing no receiver. Yeah. Fact, when did you switch to receiver? And I feel like I switched to receiver after I broke my leg. Really? That was when the switch started. That's why I'm saying that's kind of where my career kicked off. Like I feel like as a youngin, I played running back because I was athletic. I had vision. You put I the best player running back. That, that's 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 what you do in pop. Yeah. Man. You just most talented well, athlete. Yeah, so I feel like a lot of people don't know I used to play running back. So I feel like if you watch like, like even my I had like a screen against UCLA, but it was like a broken screen. The blocks mm-hmm. didn't line up, but I was still able to shake out of it and get 13 yards in the first down out of a broken screen. Right. So like a lot of people are like, damn, I'm like, how do you, how can you run the way you do? How can you catch it? The the amount of yards that I get after the catch impresses a lot of people, but. They don't know that growing up, I played running back. So once I get the ball, I know what to do. A lot yeah, of people man. get the ball and freeze up and don't know what to do. So I feel like that's like another tool in my toolbox that people don't know I have. For sure. Give me t- your top three moments in football in general, whether it was peewee, high school, college, top three moments. I would say for sure the storm days. I think the the year that we went, we damn near went undefeated. Except for Rancho. We lost, we lost to Rancho. But I feel like there was a lot of moments during that season just traveling, meeting up at your dad's job, hopping in the RV. Yeah. Like, roll one out. Of the, <laughs> one of the moments. Yep, that's, that's what he used to say, roll out. So that was, like, one of the top moments as, like, growing up and then going into, like, my senior year in high school, I would say that season was like something I'll remember forever. Just because, I mean, we get we got to the championship, but we lost. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just uh, I started, I found myself in a way. I found what I'm good at. I found like where my career is going to go after high school. Mm-hmm. And then so my senior year was like, I would say all of those moments into one is like another one that I'll remember forever. And then, uh, oh, actually, I'm going to add my senior year in high school. Nobody knows this either, but I I, I ran, I did track. High okay. School. 
You jumped, didn't it? I was a high jumper. Yeah. High jumper, triple jump, long jump. So I went, I don't know if you know, I, I got invited to Arcadia. I got two invites to Arcadia in one year for long jump and high jump. Okay. I got two invites to Mount Zach for long jump and high jump. So I went pretty far in track. So I would just say my, my whole senior year, athletic-wise, in general, is something that I'll remember forever. And then I would say me getting my first big-time offer is something I'll never forget. Yeah. Like, besides being active, like, that feeling of, like, knowing, like, oh, okay, I have a home after this, and it's a full-ride university, big, big crowd, big stadiums, like, just that feeling knowing that I, I'm i going to be a Division One athlete is for sure something I'm, I'm going to remember forever. I feel that, man. I feel that. I got a call from a D3 school after a, uh, after a camp I went to at Cornell. And I remember feeling like, y'all y'all want me to play? Like, that feeling just, well, somebody wants you to come play football for It feels for them. good. It feels great, man. It feels great. Lastly, yeah. man, talk to me about your family. I know, I, I mean, we talked about how you didn't even want to, uh, you, you were contemplating just, you know, calling it a year if you were just going to have to, uh, you know, put them at risk. I know they mean a lot to you. I I, I watch your, all your YouTube videos. You got a beautiful family, man. Yeah. Talk yep. to me about your fam. Yeah, appreciate it. Man, I just, and I feel like, that's why I say God works in mysterious ways because, of course, I didn't intend to have a baby at 19 years old mm-hmm. trying to go D1. But when I seen him and held him for the first time and just looked at my fiance, like, I felt like now I have something, I have a why. Like, why am I getting up at 6 a.m. to go lift? Why am I getting up running every day? Why am I putting my body through this? And I look at them, and it's just like something I can't, like, I can't stop. Like, I'm not going to stop whatever I'm doing. Like, I look at longevity, and I look, like, into the future. Like, if I continue to do what I'm doing now, my family is going to be straight for generations. So I have a one-year-old son. He's a junior, Trayvon DeAndre Clark Jr. Mm-hmm. And then I had recently got engaged in June to my fiance, And I just felt like we've been together for the last three years. We have a baby together. She lives out here with me. So we've been living together for about two years. And I don't know. She's just been there for me. She's helped me with schoolwork. She did my schoolwork before. <laughs> I don't know if you should put that one out there, man. You... <laughs> junior college. No, okay. Junior college. All right. We passed that. Yeah, they, no, we... <laughs> they can't take that degree back. So. so she helped me a lot. And then just I feel like God gave me my son for a reason. Because, like, like my, my immediate family – they're not really, I'm like the most level-headed, uh, hard-working person, I would say, in my family. So, you know, my little Tyree, he's still yeah. doing type Tyree to us. And then, so I'm just like, my the three of us, the family I live with now, is like really my motivation, my why. And I feel like they're the, not the only reason, but they're a big factor in why I'm going to have my shot in the NFL why I'm going to be a successful after the NFL. It's just, it's all, it all came together weirdly, but it came together. Hey man, it's really reminiscent of my father. And I know, you know, my dad, man. Um, yeah. Hardworking man. Yes, sir. And he had his first kid about, I want to say he was 19 years old too. He had my sister. Yep. Um, yep. And I've heard it from him. Once that once that became the reason, you know, he had my mother, he had my sister. That's really all it takes to motivate the hell out of you. That's really yep. all it takes. So I definitely yep. feel that, man. Sure. I definitely feel that. I'm, I'm looking for bright things in the future, man. I'm waiting on it. Oh, I, yeah, man. We're I'm waiting on it. Although I will say, when you come down, or does, does USC come up to y'all, or do y'all come down to USC? Uh, well, this year, we were supposed to go down to SC. Okay, yeah, when you come down to USC, man, uh, I don't know. Them yep. boys might got some for you, man. I don't know. They they, they might have some for Cal. Maybe not an undefeated season. Nah, that's going to be, that's going to be, I would say, I'm more worried about, S, I'm not worried about SC at all, mm. but I'm more concerned about SC than that's I am. That's the most we'll get. Any other team in the Pac-12, like, they got the athletes. They got the commits. They got the 
the QB, like what? Like, do you, he did you see what he was doing last he year? Didn't. Like, I was he watching was... it with my own eyes in the step, bro. When I tell bro, you, like, people were looking at me crazy because the student section, right? Uh, I don't think you probably haven't been in the student section during a football game before, but like, <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah, you all you on the field playing, but like, I'm watching yeah. in the student section. You know me, right? People over there, they having fun, they having conversations. I'm sitting here trained on the field. I was just dead on yeah. key. And everybody's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I'm like, this dude is remarkable. Is anyone not seeing what he's doing right now? He's His accuracy is out the. Bro, he when he played us, when he when SC came up to Cal, mm-hmm. I was telling everybody like. Man, y'all better. We need to lock in. Like SC, like they got Michael Pittman, they got uh, Amara, they mm-hmm. got this. What is his name? Drake uh, London. Slot his last name. Yeah, Drake London. We they got Slovis. Well, I don't know how to say his last name. It's Slovis. Like you got said. it. Yeah, and then I was just like, I mean, they got a team. Like this is gonna be a game, and then we didn't have our Chase. That was the first game Chase ended up actually coming back, so he wasn't fully, his shoulder was still kind right. of stiff. He ended up, he ended up stop. he stopped playing at halftime, so I mean, we still weren't at our full potential, but they gave, they, they whooped on us a little bit. I mean, he, he tore us up downfield. Like, I'm talking his accuracy on deep balls. Ridiculous. Every time I've seen it, it bro, I'm like, he's completing everything. Like, I think he. I think he only had like two, three completions that game. I want to say he had like a. I want to say he had the highest completion percentage of all freshman quarterbacks last year. Yes, in the like nation. That. In the nation, of all for like, it, it was like, ridiculous. He's only a freshman. I'm like, bro. Has, and he was supposed he to be a backup. He wasn't even supposed yeah. to be starting. That was supposed to be but JT's that's spot. I'm telling you, like, I feel he's better than JT Daniels. Yeah, he's as right, of right now, you get, it's no other way to say it. He's, he's definitely better. And like, I feel like him having the season he had last year, and it was for him, like, freshman season, like, he's not seasoned. He hasn't been at that level for him to do the things he did. I can only imagine what he's about to do these upcoming two years because yes, he's only going to do two more years, I believe. Yeah, he gonna he's going to be playing on Sunday soon enough. That's for, that's for darn sure. Uh, I'm like, yeah, SC is probably the only team. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a – that's going to be a dog fight game because – I mean, even defensively, they still got uh, fucking uh, damn. What's his name? Drake Jackson. Elijah. Elijah Griffin. Yeah, my cousin. Yeah, they got Elijah. (laughs) They got Chris Steels. Chris Steels. Yeah, both both can ball. Yep. So I've been working out with. I was working out with Chris Steels. Like, like it's gonna be a good game. I'll say, especially if it's in the Coliseum. Like, it's gonna be hard to win in there already. I'm not saying we're gonna lose. Like. This year, it was probably going to be the best game in the Pac-12. Because, hey. Cal, we got an up-and-coming, like, we have a strong foundation. We only lost one starter on offense. We still have our our whole offense. Our Basically, we only lost three people on defense, and the people we lost got drafted. So yeah. They're in the NFL. Ashton Davis so, and uh, or Weaver, right? They both can play. Weaver and, and uh, Jenkins. He is another one. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's going to be a good game. No doubt, man. I'll be waiting on it. And as as much as I'm a root for you, that might be the one time that I'm like, okay, I want to see you get 150 yards, but y'all still lose. I still (laughs) – still. (laughs) but uh, that's really all I got for you, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's it's always great catching up with you. You know I got you. For sure, man. I'll be looking out for, like I said, big things coming your way, man. Big things definitely coming your way. I see it for you. For sure. But with that said, that'll do it for this episode of the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. Much appreciated, everybody tuning in. Make sure you go check out the Instagram. Go check out Trayvon's Instagram. What's that? Trey dot. Uh, go on, you go ahead. Trey dot eighty underscore. Trey dot eighty underscore. Go run his stuff up. Go run his Twitter up. All that good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see y'all next time.